0: Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast My name is Finn Dewire and this is episode 3 Ireland and the wider Viking world Last time we finished just as Ireland was being attacked by the Vikings. The Vikings will build on these attacks to construct the towns of Dublin, Waterford, Wexford and many other sites. But before we can get into the history of these places, we first need to look at the Viking world. Today's journey will see us travel through Europe and Asia, from Ireland to Constantinople and from Baghdad to Newfoundland. The Viking world was very different. To almost any other overseas expansion in European history. It was not an empire in the modern sense of the word, but a patchwork of bits and pieces of land and trading posts. There was no central authority but just a series of strong connections between these various trading posts and kingdoms. Whilst the Vikings shared a common culture, outlook and point of origin, they were not always necessarily united in their aims. As you will see, the various places in this Viking world from Baghdad to Newfoundland would shape Irish history. So first we'll take a look at the Viking world in Eastern Europe and Asia. Then we'll look at the Viking world in Western Europe and the North Atlantic. And we'll finish up with a bit about how this Viking world affected Ireland. In the East, the Vikings pushed into what was a relatively unknown world This world of southeastern Europe and Asia was dominated by the superpowers of the day the Byzantine or Eastern Roman Empire and the Abbasid Caliphate based in Baghdad. The contact with these great empires would eventually bring some of the goods from these worlds to Ireland. The Viking expansion east started around the same time as they were raiding Ireland. Firstly they moved into northeastern Russia in the area around the modern city of Petrograd. Indeed it's where Russia gets its name. The Rus is what early Scandinavians in the region were called. Through the 10th century they followed trading routes deep into Russia reaching Constantinople the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. Constantinople at this stage far outshone any city in the west. Architecturally it had one of the biggest buildings in the world, the Hagia Sophia. The amazement of this wonder must have been hard to comprehend for the Vikings coming from a world of post and wattle walls and thatched roofs. As they traded in the Mediterranean they also made contact with the Abbasid Empire and its capital city of Baghdad. We know from Arab chronicles that they reached this city sometime in the ninth or 10th centuries. Nothing could have prepared the Northern European Vikings for what they saw here. To these early explorers the Arab world must have really shook them to the core. The Abbasid Caliphate was an enormous empire stretching from China in the east to Spain in the west. Baghdad would have been a wondrous but alien environment for the Vikings. Now Northern Europe was completely underdeveloped at this point compared to the Arab world. A good example is the city of Baghdad. Around 1000 AD say the population of Baghdad was between 1 and 1.5 million. Now I know that mightn't seem that big today but at around 1000 AD cities in Northern Europe were measured in tens of thousands and there were almost no large cities in Scandinavia. Baghdad was a metropolis, probably the largest city in the world at the time. The contrast with this world probably couldn't have been greater for the Vikings. You can just imagine the smells of spices from the east wafting through the immense bazaars with the mix of cultures from China to Spain and all this to the call of prayer it must have been almost too much to absorb for the Vikings It's incredible to think that these Vikings ancestors perhaps never strayed very far from their local villages and here these men stood in an Arab city seeing the Arab world at its zenith When they returned to the Viking centers like Dublin say. These stories of this world must have seemed like fantasy. The Vikings spread all throughout the Mediterranean. They attacked the wealthy Arab cities in southern Spain. They succeeded in sacking the powerful Arab city of Seville in 844. They also attacked the coast of Africa, probably raiding as far south as Mauritania. These raids brought the first African people to Ireland around the year 865. From a 17th century text called Three Fragments of the Annals, which like its name suggests was Three Fragments of Ancient Annals, refers to blue men. Now, Blue men, or in Irish Dina is the Gaelic term for black people. It's incredible to think that at this early stage people are travelling between the continents there's also Arabic accounts in the 12th century which describe whale fishing as if it were written or transcribed by an eyewitness, and this points to the high level of contact there seems to have been within the Viking world between Ireland and this Arab world in southern Spain and North Africa. Next, we'll look at the outstanding achievements of the Vikings in the West. Closer to Ireland, The Vikings explored a much less exotic world but they probably had greater successes here. By 864 they had essentially taken over the Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Northumbria where they had established a puppet king on the throne. The Norse also settled many of the islands around Britain too establishing what would become known as jarldoms on the Orkney Islands, the Shetland Islands and the Isle of Man. Northern France too was under severe attack. And around the year 900, a band of Viking warriors under their leader Rollo was granted a province in northern Spain by the French king. This policy was an effort to stem future attacks. The idea was to turn the Viking poachers into gamekeepers. These lands were named after the Vikings or Northmen and called Normandy and its inhabitants transformed the history of Britain and Ireland, these people of course were the Normans. Building on their links in Britain and Ireland the Vikings pushed north and reached Iceland in the year 874. Here Vikings, many of whom had strong connections to Ireland, settled in the only place they would not have to fight for land. They were the first humans to arrive in Iceland. We know the initial settlement of Iceland was done on the back of Gaelic slaves. The conditions must have been incredibly harsh. And there was an uprising of these Gaelic slaves in the early days, which is attested to in the Icelandic Book of Settlement. By a thousand, they were pushing the boundaries in the west further and further. They had reached Greenland and established two permanent settlements, the Eastern Settlement and the Western Settlement. And it was sometime around the year 1000, they were the first modern Europeans to reach the Americas and establish a settlement there. Although this settlement didn't last very long, it seems likely that the Scandinavians who lived in Greenland probably had regular contact with North America. Here they sourced supplies they needed in order to survive in the barren lands of Greenland. It's really incredible to think that in the space of 200 years from about the end of the 8th century, the Vikings visited all these places, from Baghdad to Newfoundland, the experiences of these amazing places must have shaped the Vikings profoundly. The flow of ideas and stories of this larger world into Ireland must have been amazing. You can imagine the Viking traders returning to the relatively undeveloped Northern Europe, retelling what they had seen. The most likely reaction was probably that people just wouldn't believe them. Can you imagine when they tried to explain the architectural wonder of buildings like the Hagia Sophia, People in medieval Dublin probably just thought they were fantasists. At this point you might be thinking that this is all well and good and quite interesting but what the hell has it got to do with Ireland? Well in the next episode we are going to talk about the establishment of several towns in Ireland and particularly Dublin. Now if you look at the areas that we talked about from North America in the west to Baghdad in the east Ireland pretty much lies in the centre of this new emerging world. Dublin would become a crossroads in this Viking world with items from all across these new trading links being bought and sold there. Next we're going to see how this world impacted and shaped Ireland.
1: To find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed. To get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy and BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable and gives you the support you need but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irishhistory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash irishhistory. So now we've seen the extent of this amazing world and the connections they had. How did this impact on Ireland? Firstly, this obviously brought Dublin and Ireland in general into increased international contact Dublin quickly became central to these trading networks due to their perfect location on the sea lanes between northern and southern Europe. Dublin's reputation was widely known, so much so that an Arab geographer Al udri wrote of Ireland in the 11th century The Vikings have no capital in all the world save this island. Its circumference is 1,000 miles. This shows two things. Firstly we can say Al udri wasn't great at measurements. Ireland's circumference is way short of a thousand miles But more importantly it does show that Ireland was well known across the world And Dublin in particular as a Viking centre Dublin and other cities in Ireland would eventually become part of two worlds As we'll see in the next episode they are intrinsically part of Ireland They traded with Gaelic society and they get their supplies from it But on another level they are part of this new emerging Viking world. We see this in Dublin's relationship with York. Dublin and York become part of a regional power block. In the early Viking world, politically speaking, Dublin's closest links were with the Viking settlement of yorvik or York, and not really with the rest of Ireland. These cities, Dublin and York, were neither English nor Irish. Saxon nor Gaelic. They were part of a fluid and changing Viking world with a distinctive Norse culture. These towns would also impact on the culture of the places around them. The links between the two cities were incredibly strong and they may even have shared a dual monarchy under a character called Ivar the Boneless for a time. We're going to come back to this man, Ivar the Boneless, again in the next show. The long-term implications of trade led to the emergence of the major medieval cities in Ireland of Dublin, Cork, Waterford and Wexford. These towns, I think, would have transformed Ireland's view of the world. These were not insular but dynamic places where traders from all across Europe met and interacted with the Vikings and indeed Gaelic society. It's hard to understand or grasp but imagine if you went to the settlement in Dublin in the ninth century. It's very possible you could be the first Gaelic person see a person from Africa or possibly experience some of the goods coming in from the Middle East. Also I think it's worth thinking about how this must have changed people's views of the world. People in Ireland for the first time must have gotten some sense of perspective on the size and diversity of the world around them. The creation of a Viking world also changed how Gaelic power functioned. No longer were the political players limited to those who lived on the island. As we will see in the next episode, huge amounts of Viking mercenaries enter into Gaelic politics. This is best exemplified at the Battle of Clontarf where the Vikings of Dublin backed the Kings of Leinster against Brian Beru. We will examine this in greater detail in future shows but for the sake of this episode it's worth noting that Vikings came from as far away as the Orkney Islands to participate in the battle. The Battle of Clontarf where Brian Beru was killed became as much part Of Norse mythology as it did Irish mythology. The battle for example is recanted in Icelandic sagas. There's no doubt that Ireland was changing and what was Gaelic power politics also were changing. They were no longer just dependent on forces on the island. Just to finish up there's an amazing anecdote that really gets across the global world Ireland was entering. Around the year 929 the Vikings of Dublin massacred hundreds of people at Dunmore Cave a few miles north of Kilkenny in Leinster. It was recorded in the Annals of Ulster and backed up by recent archaeological discovery. The massacre itself must have been brutal, the cave was dark, it must have been incredibly chaotic. Anyway, in this chaos, one of the Vikings seems to have dropped coins he was carrying, but these coins give us a great insight into the links that these Vikings had. Now, some of the coins come from where you might expect, so we've got some from England, like York, Lincoln and Canterbury, However, there's one coin that shows the true extent of the Vikings reach at this point. One coin, a Kufic Diram, came all the way from Armenia. Whilst the coin almost certainly did not come directly from Armenia, it was minted sometime between 879 and 892. That's only a few decades before it was deposited in the cave, so its journey must have been somewhat direct. I think this story is just a great insight into this world that Ireland was entering. Finally, before I go, I just want to say the Heritage Council's Heritage Week is coming up in August and to celebrate, I'm making three podcasts about some interesting stories in Irish history. These include a witch burning in Kilkenny and some lost Spanish treasure from the Spanish Armada. Anyway, keep your eyes on iTunes and the Facebook fan page to see when they're going to be released. In the next episode, we're going to see the emergence of towns in Ireland and how they shape Gaelic society. But until then, Sloan And don't forget to keep the feedback coming to history at irishhistorypodcast.ie.